What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Maylar. So yesterday was the start of the ALCS. I didn't get to record before it, unfortunately, but my prediction would have been the same whether I recorded before it or after it. Everybody knows I do like the Texas Rangers a lot. I am going to the World Series, I believe, at the midway point of the season, and I stayed with that throughout the entire year after the All-Star breaking on. So I'm going to stay with what I was thinking before then. I have the Rangers making it to the World Series. I'm going to give predictions. Though for the NLCS and the ALCS. And before I do that, though, I'm going to recap what happened in the American League Divisional Round Series and the same in the National League as well. So I'll recap the Divisional Series matchups and talk about what happened in each one of them. So let's start off with the Texas Rangers and the Baltimore Orioles. The Rangers swept Baltimore 3-0 in this five-game series. Credit to Nate Evaldi for showing up in a big way for the Rangers after really struggling over the last month of the regular season. He showed up in the postseason with determination, it looked like the pitcher he was in the first half of the season before getting hurt. He was hurt for a month of the season, I believe in August. He came back in September and he really struggled for the most part. Wasn't great. But when the playoffs rolled around, he turned it up. And he's been one of the best postseason pitchers in baseball over the last decade. Which I have a stat about that that I'll give later on in the episode. But credit to Evaldi. Struggling over the last month of the regular season after coming back with an injury. And then pitched against Tampa Bay in the wild card round. And then against Baltimore in the divisional round. And he was great. He won Game 3 for the Rangers against the Orioles, giving up just one run, five hits, and had seven strikeouts on seven innings pitched. So far in the 2023 playoffs, he has two earned runs allowed in 13.2 innings pitched with a 1.32 ERA and a 2-0 record. Very impressive. In his career, he has a 2.7 postseason ERA with 56 strikeouts and 56 and two-thirds innings pitched allowing just three home runs in those 56 and two-thirds innings pitch. So that's very impressive. Credit to Rivaldi for showing up always when it matters most. And then another guy for the Rangers that's really showed up is Jordan Montgomery, which he was great against Tampa Bay in the wild card round. And then in the divisional round, he got hit around by Baltimore, giving up four earned runs in nine hits and four innings pitched. But then yesterday in game one of the ALCS, he was unreal. He was huge for the Rangers in that game, which I'll recap that when I get to the ALCS preview. The Orioles were cold to the plate in this series. They had 243 as a team, and they were outscored by Texas 21 to 11. Gunnar Henderson, though, was stellar for the Orioles at the plate. 6 for 12 with a 500 batting average, a home run, two runs batted in, and a 1288 OPS. Adley Rutschman, though, was very cold to the plate, just 1 for 12 with a 321 OPS. And then Cedric Mullins was 0 for 12 in the series. As for the Rangers, though, their bats were hot in this series. They had 283 as a team and had an 878 team OPS against Baltimore in the series. Adolis Garcia hit 357 with the home run and four runs batted in in the divisional round. And then Corey Seager stayed hot in this series, a 333 batting average with a 1567 OPS, a home run, nine walks to no strikeouts. He had zero strikeouts in the series. With nine walks, very impressive. Marcus Simeon did struggle, was 3 for 14 in the series with a 214 batting average and a 552 OPS. I still have all the confidence in the world to Marcus Simeon, though, one of the best hitters in the game of baseball. And then Josh Young, the rookie, was hot in this series, 5 at 12 with a 417 batting average and a 1212 OPS. Baltimore is still a young team. They still have so much to look forward to in their future, so they have nothing really to keep the heads down about about the season. This was a building year for them, and they were the number one seed in the American League. The future for the Baltimore Orioles is the brightest in the game of baseball. And with all the young talent they have coming up to the major leagues in the next year, that they can hopefully pay with some big free agent pickups, especially at pitching, they're going to be right back here next year. They'll be right back in this position next year and be even more dangerous. The American League East, though, did come up short in the postseason. In 2023, in the regular season, they had the best record ever for a five-team division in MLB history. 449 and 361, 449 wins and 361 losses for the American League East in the 2023 regular season. A 554 win percentage. 
Then in the postseason, they had the most losses without a win by a single division in a single postseason in MLB history. 0 for 7. Zero wins, seven losses. And credit to Optus Stats for that stat there. One other funny stat that I saw was that the AL East in October between the regular season and postseason, this was the standings for the AL East teams in October between the regular season and postseason. The Red Sox were 1-0, number one in the division technically, which is a funny stat. Obviously, Red Sox didn't make the playoffs. I know that. Just saw this and thought it was funny. The Rays were 1-2 in October. The Yankees were 0-1. The Blue Jays were 0-3. And the Orioles were 0-4. So the Red Sox end up with the best win percentage in October among the American League East teams, which obviously I know it was a joke. The Red Sox didn't make the playoffs, but I saw that as a funny stat. Now I'm going to move on to talk about the Astros and Twins series really quick. The Astros won that series in four games over Minnesota. The Twins did even things up in Game 2. They had a big win, but then Houston won two straight games after that. So it was a 1-1 series after Game 2, and then Houston won two straight games after that to end the series. Houston's pitching silenced the Twins' bats, which I mentioned in my preview of the series. I said that Minnesota really needs to win close games, like 3-2 or 4-3 to beat Houston in the series. And it's really hard to do that three times in a five-game series. The Twins just really couldn't hit. They were 198 for a team batting average in the series. Carlos Correa did have a great series at the plate, though. 6-15 for 15 with a 400 batting average and a 1038 OPS. They did have Byron Buxton back for one game, but he's been battling injuries all season. And he hasn't been the consistent hitter at the plate that he was for them when he was healthy in years past. Just really couldn't get things going at the plate. And obviously the power wasn't really the same, especially considering all the injuries he's had. Houston needs Framba Valdez to be better, though. In Game 2 of this series versus Minnesota, he had five earned runs allowed, seven hits, five strikeouts, and three walks, and four and a third innings pitched. And that was all in Game 2. He needs to be better for them today against the Texas Rangers. The Rangers are up 1-0 in the series. Houston needs him to be better today. Now I'm going to move on and talk about the NLDS. We'll start off with the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers. Tough series for my Dodgers. They got swept in this series by Arizona 3-0. The Diamondbacks found a way to beat the Dodgers in three games, cooling the Dodgers' offense off. Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman did not have a good series. Neither one of them really showed up for the Dodgers. And the Diamondbacks' pitching was great. They allowed just 17 hits in three games to the Dodgers' great lineup. And if you look at that rotation for Arizona, very top-heavy. Merrill Kelly's great. Zach Gallen's great. Kelly in the series was 1-0 with three hits and no runs allowed in six and a third innings pitched with five strikeouts and two walks. And then Zach Gallen was great as well. Five and a third innings he went. Five hits allowed, two runs, four strikeouts, two walks. Both of those guys are two of the best pitchers in the game of baseball and obviously a great tandem to have at the top of your rotation. Arizona was cold in the second half of the season. They weren't great after the All-Star break. They were 32-39 and 39 after the All-Star break, but they really heated up in the playoffs, and that's when it really matters most. Most teams find a way to turn things around before the postseason starts, and then you really get a groove, so you're hot going into the postseason. That wasn't the case for Arizona. They were cold in the second half of the season, 32-39, and 39, like I mentioned, but they really put things together in the postseason. They beat Milwaukee in the first round in the Wild Cut Series, which I didn't really expect that, and then they went on and then swept the Dodgers in three games. They outscored the Dodgers 17-8 to in those three games, including an 11-2 to win in Game 1 which was obviously a tough start to the series of the Dodgers. Clayton Kershaw got shelled in Game 1. Six earned runs, six hits, one walk, and just got one out in that outing. Just got one out in Game 1. Only went a third of an inning. And his player struggles have continued, unfortunately. He had a great line, though, after the game, which I really liked, and he said this, I'd rather fail on the biggest stage than not be here, which I really like. Obviously, at the end of the day, he hasn't had much success in the playoffs, but still one of the best pitchers of our generation and does have a World Series ring to show for it, fortunately, winning in 2020. 
The Arizona Diamondbacks bats were really hot in this series. They had four home runs in the third inning of Game 3, which is actually the most in a single inning for a playoff team in MLB history. That's the most for a single team in a single inning in a playoff game in MLB history. Four home runs in the third inning of Game 3. Corbin Carroll was unreal in this series. A home run, two runs batted in, a 300 batting average, and an 1,100 OPS. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. was very good as well. A 308 batting average with a 923 OPS, a home run, and three runs batted in. Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman didn't show up for the Dodgers, unfortunately. They'll likely finish second and third in the National League MVP vote, but neither one of these guys were great in the postseason. Betts was awful in this series. He was 0 for 11 with a run scored, two strikeouts, a walk, an 0.83 OPS, a .083 OPS, and zero runs batted in. I still love Mookie. I'd rather have him on my team than not. A lot of people are talking about his playoff struggles over the last couple of years and saying he's not the same hitter in the postseason as he is in the regular season, which obviously the stats would show that, but I would always rather have Mookie Betts on my team than not. You don't make the playoffs, and you're not the number two overall seed in the NL if you don't have Mookie Betts. And then Freddie Freeman really struggled as well. He's not in the clear just because Mookie Betts struggled. He struggled as well. He's facing some heat by all the Dodgers fans and a lot of people around the MLB community. Freddie Freeman was 1-10 for 10 in the series with his only hit coming on an infield single. He had a run scored, two walks, two strikeouts, a 350 OPS, and no runs batted in. No runs batted in for Mookie Betts or Freddie Freeman. Two of the best hitters in the game of baseball, probably the best one-two punch in the game, and they didn't show up in this series. They didn't show up for the Dodgers. But credit to Arizona. They won 16 less games than the Dodgers in the regular season. And they found a way to come out and beat the Dodgers in three games, which I was shocked about. I thought Arizona would steal a game because of how good Zach Gowan and Merrill Kelly are. I thought they'd take a game in the series. I believe I had the Dodgers winning at four. But after game two, I said, all right, the Dodgers are done. You needed to win game two if you were the Dodgers. You needed to win game two because you weren't going to win three straight games against this team considering how poor... Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman looked in Game 1 and also Game 2. And then also, how the Dodgers don't have the pitching they had in years past. And obviously, injuries have played a role in that. But this upset by Arizona was the sixth biggest playoff upset in MLB history. And that's in relation to teams' win-loss records in the regular season. The Diamondbacks had 16 less wins in the regular season than the Dodgers. Which makes this the sixth biggest playoff upset in MLB history. And the Dodgers have been in that category... Of the biggest upsets in the MLB postseason in three straight years. Last year in the postseason in 2022 in the NLDS, they lost to San Diego, a San Diego Padres team that had 22 less regular season wins than the Dodgers. And then in 2021, the Dodgers lost to the Braves in the NLCS, and the Braves had 18 less regular season wins that season. And then obviously this year, Arizona in the NLDS beat the Dodgers and had 16 less regular season wins than the Dodgers did this season. The Dodgers need to be better in the postseason. Flat out, they need to show up, and they need to be better in the postseason. It's as simple as that. Yes, they had injuries to a lot of key pitches, Julio Arias, Tony Gonsolin, Walker Buehler, Dustin May, but not showing up in the playoffs, especially at the plate, is very disappointing. Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, they need to be better. I'm the biggest Mookie Betts fan, and I've supported him through every single bump he's had in the postseason in years past, but he needs to be better. The Dodgers needed more out of him. They needed more out of him. And I really liked what I heard from Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts after the series was over. Very stand-up guys, very professional in their post-game interviews after the series was over. But flat out, they need to be better in the postseason. The Dodgers have won 100-plus games in three of the last four full 162-game seasons, and they have no World Series to show for it 
in the last four full seasons, which obviously they won in 2020. That was a shortened season. But from 2019 and then 2021, 2022, and 2023, those four full 162-game seasons, the Dodgers won 100-plus games in three of those four years, and they have no World Series to show for it in those four years. They need to be better in the postseason, flat out. The other NLDS series was Philadelphia and Atlanta, and the Phillies had an upset win in this series. I thought Atlanta would win this series, I believe I said in five games, and the Phillies won in four. So credit to the Phillies. They showed up. They proved me wrong. In game two, Bryce Hopper was doubled up to end the game, which ended up being a Braves win, but this was the turning point of the series. You would think if the Braves win game two, and even the series up 1-1 after the Phillies won game one, the Braves won game two, they even up the series, you'd think that would be a turning point for Atlanta, but it wasn't. That was a turning point for the Phillies. And it's not what happened during the game. It's what happened after the game. The Braves went into the locker room after the game was over, after Bryce Hopper was doubled up to end game two, and Orlando Garcia was in the locker room, and he taunted Bryce Hopper and said, attaboy Hopper, make it fun of him. And that poked the bear. That woke the dragon up and made Bryce Hopper mad. And Hopper responded in game three with two home runs. And after one of them, he stared down Garcia as he rounded second base. That was a turning point of the series. Orlando Garcia going into the locker room and saying, attaboy Hopper. That was a turning point of the series. It lit a fire under that Phillies team. And it made Bryce Hopper get mad. And obviously... Brought a lot of motivation, a lot of bulletin board material for that Phillies team. They really turned things around after that. And they won in game three, two home runs on Bryce Hopper in that game. And Hopper in the series, he was great. Six of 13, five runs scored, three home runs, five runs batted in, and a 1765 OPS. As for the Braves, their bats went completely cold in this series, just like the Dodgers against the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Braves' bats went cold against the Phillies. The number one and number two seeds in the National League. Atlanta and the Dodgers, neither one of them showed up in the divisional round. Then if you look at it in the American League, the number one seed was the Baltimore Orioles, and they lost before the ALCS as well. So the number one and number two seeds in the National League both lost before the NLCS. And then the same goes for the number one seed, Baltimore Orioles, in the AL. They lost before the ALCS. So that's obviously tough considering these teams had a break. Before the postseason began, and there's a lot of people complaining, saying having a first-round bye in the wild cut round may make these teams go cold to the plate considering they might get rusty in that you know four-day window they have off. But at the end of the day, there's no excuses. That wasn't the case for Houston. They found a way to get through the divisional round and beat Minnesota. But the other three teams, Atlanta, and then the Los Angeles Dodgers, and the Baltimore Orioles, they all were cold in the postseason at the plate. So maybe you can get rusty by having those extra days off. But I look at it the other way. I think those extra days off can be good for your team, considering you're already in the next round. You make the division round no matter what with that first round bye. And you also can get healthier and rest your pitches. That should be a bonus and a boost at the end of the day. And just like Mookie Betts, Ronald Acuna Jr. didn't show up in this series. He's likely the National League MVP in the regular season, but he didn't show up. He was 2 of 14 in the series with a 143 batting average, a double, a 508 OPS, and no runs batted in. Matt Olson, probably going to finish fourth in the National League MVP vote. He was four for 16 at the plate in the series with a 250 batting average, no runs batted in, and a 544 OPS. Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Ronald Acuna Jr., and Matt Olson all combined for zero runs batted in in the postseason. Zero runs batted in, and that's who's going to be your National League MVP in Ronald Acuna Jr., the runner-up in Mookie Betts, and the third and fourth place finishes, likely, in Freddie Freeman and Matt Olson. As for the Phillies, though, their top hitters really showed up. 
Trey Turner was great in the series. I already mentioned Bryce Hopper, and the Trey Turner was great. He was 8 for 17 in the series with a 471 batting average, a 1441 OPS, two home runs, and two runs batted in. I know he was really struggling in the midway point of the season. A lot of people were saying he's not the hitter he once was, and he got the big payday, and they didn't want to show up this season. But I stayed with him through every step of the way. When you have a hitter like Trey Turner in your lineup, at the end of the day, you know he's going to figure things out. He's too good of a hitter to stay slumping for a whole season. And that's obviously what happened. He got comfortable midway through the season, turned things around. The Phillies fans supported him through every step of the way. And look at him right now. He had 471 in the last series versus the Atlanta Braves. And then Nick Castellanos, he was hot in this series as well. A 467 batting average. He was 7 for 15 at the plate with four home runs, four runs batted in, and a 1796 OPS in the NLDS. 1796 OPS with four home runs in the NLDS. Very impressive, obviously. The Phillies have the big bats to go and win the World Series. And the Phillies starting pitching was a lead as well. Ranger Suarez in two starts in the series. He was 1-0 with a 1.04 ERA, one earned run, six strikeouts, a walk, and eight and two-thirds innings pitched. Very impressive. And then Zach Willow was good as well. 1-0 record, a 2.84 ERA in one start. With two earned runs, three hits allowed, 10 strikeouts, and one walk, and six and a third innings pitched. And then Aaron Nola was great as well. 1-0, a 3.18 ERA, two earned runs, six hits allowed, nine strikeouts to one walk, and five and two-thirds innings pitched. Their pitching showed up, and obviously their bats did as well. And one crazy stat that I saw for this postseason is that three teams had 100-plus wins in the regular season, and they were combined 1-9 in the postseason. Between the Atlanta Braves... Los Angeles Dodgers and the Baltimore Orioles, they were 1-9 in the postseason, those three 100-plus win teams. And then another crazy stat I saw, Ronald Acuna Jr., Mookie Betts, and Freddie Freeman were combined 3-for-35 in the postseason with a .086 batting average in the NLDS. They were 3-for-35 in the NLDS combined between those three studs who are going to be top three in the NL MVP vote. They all need to be better. It's as simple as that. So now I'm going to give a quick preview of the ALCS. The Rangers... Beat the Astros last night in Game 1. The starter for the Rangers was Jordan Montgomery. He was 1-0 with a 3.27 ERA, two starts in the postseason heading into last night. And then Justin Verlander was starting for the Astros. He was 1-0 in this postseason with a 1.17 whip in no earned runs in six innings pitched heading into last night. The Rangers won the game 2-0. Jonah Heim had a big RBI single in the second inning. And then Leody Tavares had a big home run in the fifth inning to give the Rangers a 2-0 lead. And that was the score for the rest of the game. Jordan Montgomery was brilliant on the mound for the Rangers. He went 6.1 innings, giving up just five hits with six strikeouts, a walk, and no runs allowed. He's been great, and obviously their starting pitching has showed up in the playoffs. And then they also had a rookie they called up in September in Evan Carter, who made a big play in last night's game in the eighth inning. He was in center field when Alex Bregman was at the plate, hit a towering shot to deep center field. It was going to be a tough play, and Evan Carter goes up, catches it not only against the wall, and then doubles up Jose Altuve at second base, which was a huge turning point in that game considering Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve, two of the best hitters in the Astros lineup. Altuve's at second base. Bregman's at the plate. If he hits a home run, it's a 2-2 game. If that goes off the wall and it's a double, it's a 2-1 game with Bregman at second base. And instead of that, Evan Carter, the rookie, makes a big play in center field, not only catches the ball, but then throws out Jose Altuve at second base. And he was also 1-4 for four in that game with a double. So Carter really showed up yesterday for the Rangers. In the regular season, in 23 games, he had five home runs with a 307 batting average, a 1059 OPS, and a 182 OPS plus. In the postseason, he's hitting 389 with a 1338 OPS. The Rangers are now 6-0 to begin the postseason 
winning five games on the road, which is very impressive. Today, they're on the road yet again for game two. It'll be Nate Evaldi on the mound. He is 2-0 in the postseason with a 1.32 ERA and a .8 whip so far. And then Framba Valdez is on the mound for Houston. He is 0-1 in the postseason with a 10.38 ERA and a 2.31 whip so far. I think the Rangers win this game 6-3. Nate Evaldi has been one of the best postseason pitches in the game of baseball over the last decade. He has a 2.7 career ERA in the postseason with a 6-3 record. And that 2.7 ERA is the fourth best in the last decade among starting pitches in the postseason. I think he shows up today in a major way for the Texas Rangers team. They need him to step up. They, if they can find a way to steal another game on the road and be up 2-0 heading into Game 3, that would be huge. And I believe in this team. I've had them going to the World Series since the All-Star break just about. I'm still believing in them now. I think they win this series in six games. Nate Evaldi has struggled versus Houston on the season. He has a 4.32 ERA in eight and a third innings pitch versus Houston. And then Valdez, who's on the mound for Houston, he has struggled versus Texas as well. He actually has the same ERA versus Texas that Evaldi has versus Houston this season. He has a 4.32 ERA versus Texas so far and a 1.56 whip in games against the Rangers. He's allowed 12 runs with eight of them being earned on 18 hits versus the Rangers on the season. Houston has struggled at home for some reason. In the regular season, they were 39-42, which was obviously crazy considering how good they used to be at home at Minute Maid Park. But then on the road, they were 51-30. So for some reason, they've been better on the road than they've been at home. They're usually great at Minute Maid Park, especially in years past. But 39-42 at home this season. And today's their biggest home game of the year. They need to find a way to win today to try to even up the Series 1-1 going back to Texas. At the end of the day, though, I think Texas is the better team. I think they win today. I like Texas in their lineup more. I'm a big fan of Nate Evaldi. I do think Texas's bullpen does have to step up this series. They need to be really good considering how good the Houston Astros lineup can be, especially late in games. They've been clutch in years past. This is their seventh trip to the ALCS. Houston has made the ALCS seven straight years. So they're a tough team to beat. They're a tough team to bet against. They won the World Series last year. But I like the Rangers. The Rangers have John Gray coming back in this series and also Max Scherzer, which two huge additions to their pitching staff. They need their bullpen to step up this series. And Aroldis Chapman's going to be a guy they're going to rely on heavily. In the ALDS, he had four walks and 1.2 innings pitched. He needs to find a way to have control. He obviously has a lot of postseason experience. Max Scherzer will be on the mound for the Rangers in Game 3, which was just announced not too long ago, which is obviously great to see considering He's one of the best pitchers in the game of baseball, has a lot of postseason experience, and the Rangers need him to be locked in in Game 3. My prediction for the series is this. I think the Rangers win today. I think they have a 2-0 lead. I think they win this game 6-3. I think the Rangers win this series in six games, and I'm going to go with my MVP of the series being Corey Seager. I'd love to see this Rangers team make it back to the World Series. They've never won a World Series, but they did make the World Series in 2010 and 2011, losing both of those years, unfortunately. I think this could be the year to win the World Series. I had them from the midway point going to the World Series, and now with the Dodgers being out, I'm going to be rooting for them. I'd like them to win this series in six games. Now for the NLCS, going to give a quick preview of that. Game one is tonight. Zach Gowan is on the mound for Arizona. He is 2-0 in the postseason with a 3.18 ERA and a 1.32 whip. On the mound for the Phillies, it will be Zach Wheeler, who is 1-0 in two starts with a 2.08 ERA and a .69 whip so far this postseason. I think Arizona is very capable of stealing a game in Philadelphia, either in Game 1 or Game 2. I'd like them to keep this series close. I'm rooting for Arizona. I'm rooting for them to win this series in seven games, considering this is their first time back to the NLCS in 16 seasons. They've had a lot of losing seasons in between those years. So I'll be rooting for Arizona, but it's tough to bet against this Phillies team. They're 10-1 and in their last 11 games at home. And a 6-1 and one in the month of October. So it's really tough to bet against them right now considering how good that lineup is. I'm rooting for Arizona to win in seven games. 
But like I mentioned, the Phillies are just a tough team to bet against right now. Arizona, though, their offense has found a way to put things together in the postseason. They've scored four more runs in all five postseason games this year. So that's obviously impressive. They found a way to shut down the Dodgers. That was a series I didn't really give them much of a chance, and they impressed me, obviously, in that series. And then, obviously, the Phillies as well. I mean, they exceeded my expectations beating the Braves, other than the Braves would win that series. And the Phillies went out there, and they found a way to win. So credit to them. In the regular season... When these two teams matched up, the Diamondbacks won three games and the Philadelphia Phillies won four games. The Phillies had a plus 10 run differential in those seven games. So here's my prediction. What I want to happen, I want Arizona to win this series in seven games. If Arizona wants to win this series, they need to win either game one or game two. That would be huge momentum for them to be split 1-1 heading back to Arizona. That would be huge for this Diamondbacks team. I know everybody's taking the Phillies, but there's something about that Diamondbacks team, their ability to quiet the Dodgers' bats in that series that makes me root for them. If Arizona wants to win, though, they need to find a way to keep games low, keep it low scoring. They need their pitching to step up like they have so far in the postseason. And they need an answer for Bryce Hopper and the Phillies' big bats like Kyle Schrober, Trey Turner, and Nick Castellanos. They need answers for those guys. No one's given Arizona a chance in this series. And that's typically the team I root for, the team that's an underdog that nobody's giving a chance to. And that's why I like Arizona. That's why I'm rooting for them right there because nobody's given them a chance in this series. And obviously, they have a very good pitching staff. That's obviously something that's helped them so far in the postseason. And then they have a lot of talent at the plate as well. They have two guys in Evan Longoria and Tommy Pham who have been great as leaders in the locker room. Two veterans in the MLB that have seen a lot. Obviously have been around a lot of good teams and bad teams. They know what to do and say to get a team motivated, which is obviously huge for that locker room. I think if Arizona wants to win this series, it's going to have to be a long series in seven. They need to find a way to slow down Bryce Hopper and the Phillies' big bats. It needs to be low-scoring games if they want to win this series. And I think if they do win this series in seven, Ketel Mate will be the MVP. That's what I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for Arizona to win in seven, and I'm rooting for Ketel Mate to be the MVP. But for what I think is going to happen in this series, I do think Arizona is going to give a fight. I think they're going to steal a couple games. I think they steal either game one or game two. But I think the Phillies are the better team. So my prediction is the Phillies win this series in six games. But don't count out the fight of the Diamondbacks, though. This is their first trip to the NLCS in 16 years. And as I mentioned, they have a lot of young bats that have been stepping up. Obviously, Corbin Carroll has been one of the best hitters in the game of baseball this season. And obviously, a great piece for them to build around for the future. But I think Philadelphia has the better lineup. And even though I do like a lot of those guys in Arizona lineup, Lourdes Correo Jr. has been very good in the postseason. Tommy Pham's hitting 318 this year in the postseason. I think the Phillies have the better team overall. I think they have a better roster that's more built right now to win this season. They're in more win now mode than Arizona is. And obviously, Arizona didn't really have these expectations coming into the season to make the World Series. That's what every team wants to do, but I don't think anybody really saw Arizona making it to the World Series before the season began. If you look at the Phillies, though, their roster is constructed to win right now. Kyle Schwarber, Nick Castellanos, Bryce Hopper, Trey Turner... Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, that team is more built right now to win. And I think they have the better team, obviously more experienced overall. But Arizona does play with a chip in their shoulder. It wouldn't surprise me if they find a way to make this series go seven games. That's what I'm rooting for. Arizona, I just want them to have a chance at the end of the day. They fight. They play with a chip in their shoulder. I doubt both of these teams so far in the playoffs. They've both exceeded my expectations and my playoff prediction already. I think I had the Miami Marlins given the Phillies a series in the wild card round. I was rooting for Miami to win that series, I believe, in three games. And then I also was rooting for the Milwaukee Brewers over the Diamondbacks in the wild card round. But Milwaukee really struggled, and obviously the Marlins didn't do great against the Phillies either. These two teams, the Philadelphia Phillies and the Arizona Diamondbacks, have found a way to win games. This is going to be a great postseason series. I'm rooting for Arizona to win in seven, but I think the Phillies win this series in six games. But don't count out the fight of the Arizona Diamondbacks. They played with a chip on their shoulder all postseason, and they found a way to battle. They need to find a way to keep these games low scoring, and I think they'll have a chance. They need to steal either game one or game two. 
And they need to continue to put some runs on the board each and every game. They found a way to score. All five of their postseason games have scored four more runs. They need to do that in this series. And as I mentioned, I like Ketel Mate. If the Arizona Diamondbacks were to win this series, I think Ketel Mate would be a big reason for that. I know a lot of people probably pick Corbin Carroll to be the MVP of this team. But Ketel Mate is very underrated. He had 357 in the last series versus the Dodgers. And he's a very good hitter at the plate. Very patient. And he finds a way to get on base. I like him a lot. I'm rooting for the Arizona Diamondbacks to win this series, like I said, in seven if they want to win this series, they probably have to go the distance, go all seven, and they probably need to win a good amount of those starts that Zach Gallen and Merrick Kelly are a part of. They need to win those games that their two aces are on the mound. I'm rooting for Arizona. They're a chippy team. Don't count them out. I wouldn't be surprised if this series goes seven games. I wouldn't be surprised. Arizona has that in them. They have found a way to beat the Dodgers three out of three games. I was very impressed. I watched each and every one of those games. They found a way to silence the Dodgers' bats, especially Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. We'll see what they can do in this series. I do think the Phillies have a better roster right now to win. They're in more win-now mode than the Arizona Diamondbacks are. But that doesn't mean Arizona can't win this series. That, that doesn't mean it. And a lot of people are picking against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Nobody's giving them a chance. It seems like everybody's just already penciling in the Phillies as the series winner here. But I wouldn't be surprised if this goes the distance. Arizona's going to put up a fight in this series. If they can do what they did against the Dodgers in this series versus the Philadelphia Phillies, this series is going to be a fun one to watch. Anyways, that'll conclude this episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it. I hope you guys have a good one, and I will see you guys in the next episode. Thank you.